Welcome back to the Sim Geeks podcast. We are your hosts, William Belk and David Schablock. Uh, and if you've been following along, it's been about 37 seconds since the last episode ended. Uh, but we are still here with Dr. Bo Christian. And he just gave us the story of the fire that happened in their facility, talked about how they got through that. But now we're going to give him the opportunity to tell us how they rebuilt, what they went through, the challenges involved in that, and any advice he has for the rest of us, either with coming up with a new facility or staffing a new facility or buying equipment, whatever it is that we need. And knowing us, it's been longer than 37 seconds for our listeners. It's probably been, you know, a couple months, but welcome back, Bo. Yeah, by the time it gets released, that's a little different than when we actually recorded it. So, uh, right? Bo, I'm, I'm assuming most people heard your introduction in the last episode, considering it was just a minute ago. Uh, but why don't you give the quick rundown of, of who you are, just in case somebody's jumping in on the back half of this, and then tell us uh, just, again, the real brief story of what happened, and t- then we'll start talking about how you guys kind of came back from it. Sounds good. Uh, so I'm Dr. Bo Christian. I didn't say the doctor the first time. I have a doctorate in nursing, a master's in nursing. I'm a nurse practitioner and, and a degree in psych. I work at Carson Newman University in Eastern Tennessee. And unfortunately, about two years ago, the day, day after Thanksgiving, our nursing building burned down, which means we lost every bit of nursing like to the ground, not just, you know, a little fire. It was a gigantic, how, how many fire trucks again? Um, I mean, there was like 30 or 40 different fire uh, personnel with like six trucks and big fire. Yeah. I mean, it was on every news thing. We're in a small community. And so it's a big deal when all the volunteer people come out and all the paid people come out. And yeah. So from there we got to rebuild the, the, the positive is we actually had broken ground before our building burned. Wow. Yeah. And so it wasn't because there was a, a plan. Nice. We have great management in our university for planning. We had uh, some great donors, the drama and, and Ted Russell. Drama is his wife and Ted Russell they were huge contributors. There are others, mm-hmm. but they are a big contributor at our university. And they helped walk us into building a new facility, a 48,000 square foot, three-story health science center. And to frame it, how big was it before? Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got to go back. It was a four-room schoolhouse that my dean's dad had gone to kindergarten. So like square footage, what do you think? Oh, gosh. It was. Like 18,000 square feet. That's bigger than I expected. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, my first house was 850. Yeah, big enough where you could hold 40 in a class and there was four classrooms. Again, we had broken ground, we had plans, and then COVID. During COVID, I said, you know what? I can't complain about anything in the building if I don't talk to any. And they had asked us some questions and I was a new faculty member. At the time, I've only been there five years now, but I'm also not necessarily a quiet guy. And so I like to put my two cents in when when they allow me to. And because of this, you had a very large chunk of building your new center. Yeah, I don't want to sound like I'm a big chip on my shoulder, but I got to pick everything. <laughs> <laughs> because and, because no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah, you, you we're doing good deeds and, you know. Well, I asked my provost and, and my dean, and I said, hey, can I, can I be on the committee? Can I help with the plan? I've never built anything, but I came 
my alma mater on the West Coast, um, California Baptist University, they they just they really showed me how quality was. Um, and I was like, I want to bring some of their stuff, those ideas and other places. And so I asked my provost, I said, can I? And he said, yeah, bring me a budget. And I was like, what? And he said, yeah, (laughs) bring me a budget. I want to know everything you want. And I was like, is this just SIM? Is this nursing? And he said, just bring me a budget. You know, because it's so easy. How, how many <laughs> budgets have you done? You'd done by that point fifty or sixty, yeah. I'm sure. You would think if you heard the first time I had, I had originally wanted to get my MBA and I didn't finish it, and so I, I at least knew how to Google. And I'm not a big reader, but I said Same. there has to be a book out there. And in fact, the dean at Vanderbilt, <laughs> her name escapes me at the moment. She came from what was it GW? <laughs> um, she runs that. She has that Moodle um, for sim people, and that book really helped me decide what I should do. She wrote a book on how to build. And so I bought it, read most of it. It's Pamela, Pamela Jeffries, Dr. Oh, so she was the one that wrote that book. She was. And really that they pointed out things that you could do better Mm. um, or things that you should think about your return on investment, all those kinds of things. And so again, this was over COVID. So I had a handful of months, put a pretty extensive needs wants list and had reasons for each one and links and i went a little bit overboard where i just picked it from anywhere i looked for better prices and i just i I honestly had a lot of fun because it was kind of like opening a sears catalog and saying i want this and this and this and this with respect to you're not asking for everything but when you're rebuilding you get it, your vision needs, it gets to speak into it. And so they were wonderful in letting me speak into that. I submitted that and then waited for a little while. And then some stuff actually started happening and breaking ground and changes. And then I kept getting asked to the table. My president would ask me to come to a meeting and then ask me what I wanted to do. And he ended up telling me kind of towards about the middle part, he said, I mean, it's down to you. You know, we trust you at this point. You have a reason behind part of everything that you are asking for and and a needs assessment, because I did that a few times. And Vanderbilt had helped us that I reached out to them. And in creating that original budget and then taking it to fruition to build, I decided, you know, I need to visit some places. In going to SimGhost at Baylor, I actually had arranged with them ahead of time to tour and do kind of some private stuff on the side. Saw some mannequins, got some companies to let me see stuff that Baylor had and tried to use every opportunity that I could because sometimes it was my own money. Sometimes other people were supporting me to try to get the most I could out of all of those interactions. Again, read that book and then went to the, to the architect and the builder and said, we need to change some things. In fact, the first thing we, I submitted the, I believe the only change order for our building. And if you know anything about change orders, when you're building something that's huge, expensive and big deal. Expensive. Yeah. It's a lot of money and it's a lot. It's no, 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 no. We don't do that. Yeah, you do. But the good thing is we submitted this order before we built it. And so I hung out at Bandy. We took a whole day. My IT director 
and I went down there and which is super great because he is IT, but also some other tech, not necessarily computer related. He's a gamer, he's things like that. And so he, he understands he helped actually uh, build the, the other two room SIM center that we had. And so he had already dealt with a few of the companies. So when we went down there, Vanderbilt told us, first thing you need to do is get more plugs. Second, you need to, so, and then they just kept saying, these are what we wish we would have done differently, or this is what we did well. The two big things that came out of the book and came out of all of my visits to all of these places were more outlets and bigger doors. Figure out how many outlets you need and then double it because you're always thinking about what it is you need right now and not necessarily where are we going to be in six months, 12 months, two years from now. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going through a similar thing right now where talk about one of the things I never thought of before was the architect asked me about heat load on our equipment. I don't know how the hell to calculate heat load on a projector (laughs) or calculate heat load on a body cooler in a cadaver lab. Yet it was one of the things that they're like, we need to know so we can figure out what to do with your air conditioning. You triggered by memory there when you said the outlets thing, because that is the biggest thing in every Sim Center. Not only every Sim Center, every office, every house, you never have enough power outlets. Well, and then I think you posted that in the SimTech network. And of course, you know, all of us, what our biggest thing that we know you need more of is storage. Yeah, I couldn't change the footprint. The The biggest worry, and we didn't know until it actually opened, was if we were going to be able to put a bed into the elevator. Yep, that's huge. That was the first thing that was poured and we couldn't change it. In fact, we, we literally worried up until the very day that it opened, that the doors of the elevator opened, because the drawing, open floor plan of the drawing for the elevator identically matched the bed. (gasps) Later on, we found that I can actually get a bed in there, a ladder, four people, and so it's perfect. But that was one of those concerns, but yeah. I remember my first Sim Center, we could get a bed into every room. That didn't mean we were rolling the bed in. We would be on the side, we'd have somebody at the bottom, we'd lift it, we could get it around. Yeah, the things we do. Yeah, that, that's interesting you said it because that was the second thing I said. I, I, I was looking at these drawings and drawings are hard. Yes. Um, again, I'm not an architect. I don't, I don't, that vision is not there. I'm a little bit better at it having done it um, for the last two years almost now. But I said, are these doors wide enough? And they're like, we're going to build the beds inside the room. And I was like, <laughs> you know that these beds are like 900 pounds and electrical and they actually... I'll tell you what, when they show up, if you've ever been blessed with getting new beds, they come hanging in the semi and they lay them down and they roll them out. It's kind of cool. And all of our doors were wood, so you couldn't see through them. And so I was like, I told the designer, because really it became the designer would tell the builder and change things. And the designer and I have become a fast friend. And I would, I'd send her a picture and say, I want an ICU door like this. Try to work this in. And they ended up, uh, you know, I have a 9,000 square foot, 10 bed, pre-10 hospital. It has some things that I would still love. No, it's it's great. It's it's state of the art. Things that were needed to be changed were changed fairly easily because it was done at the beginning. So mm-hmm. like you were talking about load, I first was like, okay, I want 12 outlets at the head of bed. And they're like, no. <laughs> the load is the load is too much. And I said, that's great. And I'm well, now I am kind of a pushy guy, but I was not in these conversations. 
But I was like, I, I don't know what to tell you, but that's what has to happen. And then I'd let other people figure it out. It came down to, so we had head of beds that had no working suction or simulated air. I said, yeah, I'm going to use a fancy word. The fidelity is not there because I read it in a book, right? <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, you can have one, but not the other. And I said, I guarantee you there's an engineer out there who can figure this out. And I was at all these places and they have it. Mm-hmm. Now, what, I, what I've learned, some people have bedside compressors and stuff. And I didn't want that because mm-hmm. it's loud. You know, you can buy the beds that it have in it. And I was just like, no, we, we're smart enough. We are te- have technology. And they ended up, to long story short, they, they made a room far yeah. enough away that I don't hear it. In fact, you can't even hear it standing outside the room. It's, it's a real thing. Like I know in my first center, we had a three floor building and it was with the basement and two floors. And so our vacuum central vac and central comp- compression was in the basement. It was great. Well, I wasn't working in that center anymore when they moved, but the new facility is, it's close enough that it's loud. So yeah. I do love it. my, my current posting. We don't have central vac. We have bedside compressors and we, it works fine for us. We don't mind it, but you're right. It is an extra noise. And I was spoiled for a long time with it. And so it is so nice. Well, and they went beyond that, not just my SIM center, but I've, I have two 10 bed skills rooms. It's almost like you took all the walls down and you have 10 rooms. And so they're, they're very similar to where, uh, when I work in an emergency room where, you know, you have the privacy uh, curtain. Mm-hmm. And that that keeps everything, you know, HIPAA uh, compliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I have two rooms of that that have also simulated air. The only thing we found that my 911, my my firefighters showed up one day and they wanted to see the facility. And of course, we love them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we were told that if we have a natural disaster outside, we can bring people in and put them in the beds. And I was like, yes, yeah, simulated. Sorry. Yeah. Um, like me going and blowing on your face. And it was, but that's super helpful to know because mm-hmm. if we need to think outside the box and, and use some things, we can use beds. You know, I can suction, but we chose not to. Our return on investment to make it a certified hospital was just not there and not needed. And so, yeah, we, we, we have fantastic space. I broke one wall down again. I say broke, but it was before it was built mm-hmm. uh, and said, you know what? I'm a trauma ER nurse. I worked at a level one trauma hospital in Southern California. And I love that environment. That's, that's my bread and butter. And so I want a room like that. And so mm-hmm. we took a wall down and now we have two beds in a single room. And I put some surgical trauma lights in there that hang off the wall. So I treat it as right now there's birthing mom mm-hmm. and, and a, another mannequin in, in another bed, but we can do mother baby. We can do trauma room. We can do an ICU room. We can do lots of different things. I tried not to have every room identical and we have two rooms that have bathrooms off of them so that we have to work on mobility and getting, that's actually what my doctorate is on is mobility in the hospital. And so. Are they simulated bathrooms or are they real bathrooms? Because real. I know. Okay. Well, cause I've got some sites that have simulated and you can't, do your business yeah. in any of them. Yeah. But going back to one thing you were saying is it's amazing those lessons you learn as you're building a center or you're building a program. Even if it's a small program, you can make those mistakes. And if you don't plan ahead, I know that we had a center locally that did what you were saying is they wanted to make it multi-purpose. So all of their oxygen was real oxygen and they were very happy and they were very proud. And some of us, when we, we got there, we we're like, 
oh, oh. And somebody opened one of the manuals to the manufacturer's mannequins, and they it says right in there, do not use with live oxygen. And then there was lots of long conversations about how can we have a sim center we can't use mannequins in. We may have since come up with solutions and changeovers and all that, but you you have to know all those little details and all those facts. And so, like, what were some things that you thought you had covered and you went, uh-oh? I mean, you said I needed more storage and I still didn't plan for enough. To be honest, I did get probably at least one mannequin too much. I tried not to fill every bed. Uh, mm-hmm. knowing that I'm not going to use all of these all the time. Mm-hmm. But I, I'll be honest, I, even even trying to think through that, you still don't know what, well, you know. Right. You're not going to be perfect. To your point, storage is a bitch because we all know that we need it. But when we're when we're building these budgets, and you mentioned this earlier, we have to show a return on investment, right? And it's the one space in the entire building that I cannot show any return for. It, it doesn't earn any money. It doesn't have a value. It's just a space that we keep things or we work on things. And the value there, of course, is we have to have somewhere to put that stuff or we need to be able to work on it without impacting the rest of the facility or taking up one of the sim rooms to work on it. Uh, but from a financial standpoint, when you're going in and talking to finance about these things, there is no return on investment for floor space that's not being used for simulation or training or business. It's only being used as a closet. And that's one of the first things I, that I know from my experience that gets cut from our designs is, hey, we're not going to have room for this or we're not going to have room for that. It's almost always the storage that has to go because usually we're designing the facility around what we actually need at the time. Right. So I, I feel you there, man. Yeah. Luckily, they did give me some storage. Some that uh, some people would probably die for. They built me a workroom. One of the things I heard from someone just in passing, they said, I wish I had a sink that I could lay a mannequin on. And Mm -hmm. so I actually have a six foot long industrial sink that I can lay a mannequin on half. And then it's got a tub on the other. I haven't put any moulage on anybody yet. I had that at my first job and it was great because we purpose built a puking mannequin and the learning objective was stop video laryngoscopy and go direct laryngoscopy. And that's the entire thing was the Sim was a 19 year old frat boy that fell down the stairs drunk Mm -hmm. and he threw up a mixture of beer, Coke and water with French bread pizza shoved in the esophagus. And that I will tell you for cleaning that mannequin out, that was great. And a nice long hose on a sprayer to be able to uh, clean all of the little pieces of sausage that go into the weird little crevices on mannequins you didn't know existed. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to actually change out my sprayer because mine is a jet. Mm-hmm. And I need something a little bit softer. <laughs> yeah, but but that area really, with what I'm not good at, and I've reached out to some of my colleagues, is, you know, I've welcomed all 3,300 little pieces of cotton balls and all those kinds of things, I don't know where to put them. Like, right. I, I bought storage shelving. I bought there. I just put some stuff up on the wall, kind of, you know, the uh, put your little trinkets things on the wall mm-hmm. and, and just like a hospital. I am not good. In fact, I was talking to someone who's pretty good at it and they were even like, you know, I'm a little overwhelmed. We have so much <laughs> where you put it in a spot. And again, that's a, a horrible thing to say, right? We have too much. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> you you can have too much of something and then that's a burden. The good thing is it's not too much like we won't use it. It's just too much because it's all in a box mm-hmm. and you have to take it out of a box and it's on a crate and it's this and that. And where do you set it and what works well and how do you get to it and what's in front of the other. And 
Yeah, you that's know, what we're trying to learn right now. It's funny because I did many, many years in retail. So I have a retailer stock mind of leave it in the case, but it's got to be visible and accessible. But I deal with a lot of nurses who were working in storage rooms and they have that mindset of it needs to go into bin. And it's interesting the different perspectives of things where the hospital does it one way, retail does it one way. And I'm like, but when you go to inventory all of that, if you don't leave it in the case, that's more work. So just the different perspectives is interesting for me. Yeah, I've tried both. It's like sometimes I take it out of the box because it's easier to stack or I can stack it higher, but not as high if it were two boxes high. Mm -hmm. uh, if I break it down and then stack it, at, you know, uh, one and a half box high or something. But when you're stacking things like fully catheter kits, they're in oh, slidey gosh. packages and they slide oh, yeah. everywhere. And then if you put it in a minute in a bin, that's not the right size. And so you're putting five fully kits in a bin and now you've wasted a bin. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a struggle for sure. My big struggle right now is, so I have, I have a handful of mannequins. I went to go change their gender, you know, mm -hmm. change out their parts. Mm -hmm. I can't find it. Yeah. Um, I have six boxes of parts. Mm. And uh, so I had to call my rep and I'm like, hey, did this did this guy only come as a male? And mm -hmm. he actually did. So I'm actually not. I mean, because I'm actually yep. been I can tell you where everything is. I can tell you what room everything is in. Nice. I just can't tell you where in that room it is. Somewhere. And I was about to call you a rookie because the genitalia are always the first thing to disappear from the SEM Center. So oh, yeah. that is that that they walk off all the time, regardless of gender. Uh, so I just assumed that you didn't know that. And of course, they were left out somewhere and someone walked off with them. Well, uh, you have to check your junk drawer. But, <laughs> you know, um, but no, that's why I'm fanatical about bins. And I will have a different bin for each mannequin. And if I've got five of one model of mannequin, I have five bins. And some people come through and they're like, oh, let's just kit bash that into one. And I'm like, that's when things go missing. So I I'm super fanatical about a separate bin for each mannequin. You label it and everything there. Because then... You know where it is. And when you're done with your toys, put your freaking toys away. Well, then tell me what I should do. So I have a birthing mannequin. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she came in a box. She came in with all of her accoutrements. But she actually had, I have a box probably as big as the length of your uh, small sedan mm -hmm. that has all of her extra stuff. You know, the yep. extra belly, yep. and the funness and this and that. I have no place to put that. And yet that box is full. So mine is my birthing mannequin has a lot of that stuff too. And it might be the same brand and it takes three bins worth of stuff to, for all the uteruses, all the different skins. And I'm still putting stuff on there, but it works for me. And that's, you know, and it's usually a top shelf thing because even though you've got all that stuff, you don't need it all the time. Right. It wasn't until two weeks ago that I have ever ran an actual postpartum hemorrhage on my mannequins because of different reasons. And so I never needed the tank, but because I organized it that way, it was there when I needed it. Where it was, yeah, yeah. My mine's in a in a box in the middle of my storage room because yeah, I see, that's probably a place to put it. Yep, I, I love rolling racks. Everything in a sim center should be on wheels. Uh, period, because you never know when you're going to need to take it all out and make that a practice area or something. And then, yeah, I, I'm fanatical about bins and storage. I've worked with some very very good organizational people. And we know a few, and we've talked about you know one in the last episode, and and I've just tried to get as many best practices and what's worked because I know how I've failed in the past. I know how I've screwed up and how, what hasn't worked. You know, the yeah. junk drawer I joked about doesn't work because then you've got junk of five different mannequins and they don't all interchange and it doesn't work. So a bin for each mannequin is is huge for me. So you need to write a book because 
day one, when I got a handful of mannequins, I was like, I got too many boxes. And I went, and now they're all together. Well, and so I, I tell all my sites, I'm like, you need to keep one box for this model of mannequin. And all they heard was at one of my sites was keep one box. And so I went there and I was like, oh, somebody cleaned up. This is great. I didn't have to do it. This is awesome. And I look around. I'm like, wait, where's where's the box for the adult female mannequin? And they're like, oh, it's right there. No, no, no. That's a pediatric mannequin. They will only fit that pediatric mannequin. All the adult boxes got thrown away. Well, it says this brand, you know, if we talk about cars, it says Ford right on it. So it'll fit everything, right? Oh, dear God, no. Yeah. See, so. You know, I knew that. I think I'd heard you guys say that. But the, when I had so many boxes, I literally had to make a choice. I said, you I know. only have I have a storage area, so I'm going to keep as many boxes as I can, which I- actually it, it came in fruition because this is where you get deep into the story and companies, I, even though maybe negative that companies were actually really good about it. So I got about 12 mannequins. Three were broke in the first week. And then it's like, well, it's your responsibility to put it in a box and your responsibility to send it back. And they were all open box issues. And one company, they boxed it up for me. And it was just my job to get it over to the post office. Mm-hmm. And I've had to do that. Luckily, they send me a box or, you know, those kinds of things. And so, yeah, it's kind of interesting as, as I have now rebuilt. Uh, the companies say I'm actually pretty unique. One, I'm pretty bold. And so I tell people how it is good it's kind of as a uh, way as i can but i mean like i don't i don't you know why i'm not lying to them well and you're not rude you're respectful i think that's it yes and so you know i mean you get mannequins and they don't work and if you fix it you fix it and so get past it and so i've had two different companies one was better than the other and i'll tell you when when they come out and they work on things so this is where it kind of alludes to I name dropped one time. So mm-hmm. one of the one of the people were working on my mannequins and I said, you know, um, I'm gonna name drop it here. I said Alf Christian, and they were like, Who's that? I'm like, you know, the CEO of Laredal? <laughs> and and they're like, Oh, yeah, okay, maybe you heard their name. I don't need to be honest, I don't remember what they said. I was like, Yeah, so um I invited him to my ribbon cutting. That's next week. So I really need these things to work. Um, and I think they they thought like chipping my shoulder or something. Yeah, yeah. sure. And sure. I'm, I mean, we're not friends. Yeah, yeah. But it was funny. It's, so they were trying to fix this problem that had come up. And 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 I'll say, yeah, I had some problems with Laredell right at the beginning is the thing, but they fixed everything and really quick and their customer service was amazing. I'm not, I'm not getting paid by them. No, I wish it was. Um, but, what I'm what I'm saying is like, so we're talking, and we're having a good time, and I appreciate the work that they're doing, and I think he thinks I'm just making this up. And Alf texts me as we're talking, and I'm like, "Yeah, let me answer him real quick." And and he saw it that it, I was not making this up, and yeah, it it became talk. In fact, he couldn't come to the ribbon cutting. He was at uh, another event like three days before in, I think it was Texas. And then mm-hmm. went back to, to where he's from, but yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I'm I thought you were about to tell us you were related the, the same last name. I thought we were going to, we were going <laughs> to guide into like, Oh yeah, he's my brother-in-law or something along those lines. Uh, um, 
So in true Sim Geeks podcast fashion, we are so far off topic. It's not even funny. We have we have well strayed beyond where we uh, where we started out. So I am going to I'm going to kind of steer us back. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, it's all been good. It's been a lot of fun. I think the the steering that I want to do is really just to get us back to the point of what are and I'm going to ask the same question I asked earlier. We talked about the facility burning down. What are the lessons learned? What what mistakes did you make in this process? I know you said you, you know you read books and you had to you got kind of got in you got pulled into a lot of things. What is it looking back? What is the number one thing that you said, you know what, we did this right. And this is the number one, or maybe it's top three, whatever it is, things that I really wish I would have known more about this, or I would have focused more on this. And if I had then X, Y, and Z would be better nowadays. So give us your, what are your big takeaways, both positives and negatives from your experience with rebuilding this facility? Yeah, I think, um, try not to make the decisions by yourself. You know, I mean, everybody has a different way of thinking pull people from different, uh, they don't have to be from your own program. You know, have people from your program because they know what you're trying to accomplish. Call people and say, hey, I, I need you to weigh in on this. Is it important? I made some amazing decisions, not because I'm amazing, but because someone else was speaking in my ear. So I chose not to go down different ways or ask for different things. You shouldn't do it alone ask people who have done it before and ask them. Most people will tell you what they would change. Most people would tell you maybe where they messed up. I would say that it's not anything we could control, but we had to go through a bid process. And mm. the bid process is a struggle. I think that's why I have a power cut that doesn't work and brand, you know, brand new to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's something that we couldn't change and that, it's not always about buying the most expensive thing. It's mm -hmm. about buying the thing that you're going to use most often. Yes. Uh, I use a mannequin that I I just was like, you know what? I'm going to get those and I'll probably use them. And they're my favorite ones that I go to all the time. Okay, now yeah. I got to know. I mean, they're a nurse and simulator. I love her. She's a tank. Oh. She's my favorite for nursing. She's great. And I mean, because that's what I do. I do nursing. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I mean, you, you could do Jero, you could, you could do postpartum hemorrhage with them and not even need the, this, you know, the specialty kind of stuff. Uh, I have a bleed mat from a company and I just throw that underneath of things. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and so not limiting one brand, one company, you're, you're going to come up with favorites, try to squash that if you can, because everybody has uh, something cool in, in their wheelhouse. Well, and it's like you said, we all have our perspective. We have what we like. My equipment I've used is Laredol. I want to learn more about the other mannequins because I need to look outside. I need to know about them because I get asked about them. And the sad answer is I can't, I don't have enough experience with them. So I, Eric Schlosky, we mentioned on the last episode, we'll just make it two. He was getting rid of a couple of mannequins by CE. So now I've got them. Why? Because I just want to learn about them. I want to know more about what they can do because you don't know if you only have one perspective. And that goes to back probably to the, the big thing I wish I could change, but I don't want to admit is I'm the director and I really need some people who know some things. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm coming up with a manual to maybe teach the two people I want to hire. I don't want to say I'm making it up. Chat GPT is, but uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I don't know some things and you don't know what you don't know sometimes. Correct. So because of your perspective, my, my most recent post on Facebook to the SIM group was 
I have a uh, birthing sim come up. Does someone have a uh, a theme or a scenario that you can sim me? Because I'll tell you what, someone uh, during my ribbon cutting for my new space, someone shared a similar uh, theme. Actually, it was a scenario. And I did the ribbon cutting. My mannequins did it themselves. And so mm-hmm. someone would come in, start a triggering event, and, and it would just go. And so I'm like, you know what? I, I didn't copy it. I just, it gave me a visual to see that decision tree mm-hmm. and allowed me to work off of that. And so the new director from Manassel reached out to me. It's another nice doctorate of another university. I just, she just texted me just hours ago. So I don't know her name off the top of my head. It, people have reached out to, to help. And I, for you guys who are in, in, big groups and you have people that you can bounce off. I, that's, I'm envious. Well, and I've said, it's my favorite part of our, our whole industry is how inclusive, how sharing we are. We want everybody to succeed because that's how we all, I mean, somebody like, Oh, you know so much. I don't really want to talk to you about this. I'm like, no, I learn off of talking to everybody. So I love collaborating because, you know, I've learned off you. You're a smart dude. I think the big takeaway there too, guys, is no matter how big your team is or how talented your team is, there's a lot to be gained by going outside of your team, no matter what it is you're doing, right? And I speak again from my experience. I have an amazing team. Of, I have an entire staff of people that are fucking amazing at teaching what it is they teach. But when we are looking at developing new stuff or kind of moving in new directions, it helps that we bring in people from outside of the company or other parts of the industry, because all we're going to do is we're going to continue to do the same thing, or we're going to modify a little bit, you know, but basically continue down the same track. When you start bringing in that outside influence of, Hey, you know what? You guys are doing a great job here, but we noticed from the outside, these are things that worked for us that you might be able to implement. And so Again, yeah, having a big team is great, but also having that that big community, the group of people that we can rely on, uh, sometimes in completely different realms. You know, I, I we've talked about this a lot. I don't work with nursing students or undergraduate medical students and, and paramedic students anymore. All of my people are experienced providers. I have a different style or a different system than you do, but that doesn't mean that we don't have some crossover. And I learn a lot from universities and people that I meet at conferences and bring those ideas back into my facility. And at the same time, we're sharing what we're doing, you know, going out. And one thing I say a lot is success through ample amounts of failure. So interact with with people like me. I have failed and I want to teach you how not to fail because believe me, I know how to screw something up. So let me help you not do that. So it's kind of like Sim. <laughs> exactly. You get to do things, you get to try it out yeah. and then you get better. Our industry is all about acceptable failure, safe, acceptable failure. Yeah. I'll say the, the one thing that I am surprised because you have, I guess I'm one-sided a little bit. I was like, everything is medical simulation, right? It's not always, it, you know, you have astronauts doing sim. But a lot of the different conferences conflict with school schedule. Yeah. And it's actually why I didn't go to SimGhost because, granted, I had a ribbon cutting, but that was a little bit more important. But it conflicted. It A lot of those conflicts with the beginning of semesters and I'm really surprised that that doesn't change. Well, because different programs have different start times and that's really what it is. So GME, medical schools, all that have different start times on things. And it's hard to match everybody because I know that that is one thing that every conference agonizes over is how do we make it the best we can to get as many people to come that can come. 
yeah, it's it's a hot topic. And they're all very much, no matter what industry you're in, I've noticed they're all very much geared towards the Monday through Friday, nine to five salaried employee, right? Because otherwise, if we really wanted educators to be somewhere, we'd probably look at holding something on a weekend when they can actually be away from work without taking time off. That's not just us. That's EMS, that's medicine, that's getting into, you know, teaching and law conferences, they all tend to be during the middle of the week. And they're, they're built around the idea that your employer is paying you to be here. And that's not yeah. always true for everyone. Yeah. Uh, so not a bad thing. It's just how it's been. We've always done it this way, right? Yeah. Like that's how things are set up. And so there's definitely some opportunity there for someone to come along and say, you know what, we're going to hold a two day sim conference, and it's going to be a Saturday, Sunday, so that you're back at work on Monday morning. Right. Uh, and and I think that I think that would be a hit for a lot of people, especially those that can't necessarily take a lot of time off for this, or if you're in the middle of the school year. The cool thing about my program is my leadership sees the education and the camaraderie is so important that w they have agreed for me to send people once a year to a conference and once a year even in odd years, one time they have to present or at least uh, post, uh, you know, ask to present. And the other is for their own learning. And so we have that mentality at my spot too, or at least I'm trying to, you know, being the director and trying to make it what it is to support the learning to, because these people might do it for the rest of their lives. And that's what we want. We've reached out to our, we have, we call it CTE. It's a uh, you know, like the HVAC and mm -hmm. those kinds of um, through our high schools. And I've said, why don't we have some sort of pathway into this kind of career? And and we're having those conversations too. So I've had a lot of those conversations recently as well. Yeah, we need to get people young and, and let them see simulation as a career opportunity from the time they're coming out of high school, right? Uh, I know I've, I've bitched about this for a long time, but talk to any one of us, anyone I've ever met at a sim conference, we all fell into it. We started mm -hmm. as paramedics, we started yep. as firefighters, we started as police officers and then nurses yep. and then eventually made it into sim. Nobody, no one tells you, oh yeah, I just went into simulation right out of high school because it's what I always wanted to do. And partially because we've kept this almost secret for so long, it's not been this huge industry. There is a huge, huge opportunity for us to go into high schools and say, look, yeah, I was a paramedic and I went and I did this, and I did this, and this. You can skip all those steps because ultimately the fun part is I get to put makeup on dolls and get paid for it. And you can go straight <laughs> into that career right away. Right. Right. Uh, or, you know, we're, we're working with virtual reality. We're working with mannequins. Maybe, you, you know, in simulation again, outside of healthcare, as you mentioned, flight simulation or, you know, even computer based simulation. There's all of these careers that we tend to fall into that definitely there's a, a route that we should be able to build up and ramp up. And the way that we're going to do that is through probably associate degree level programs and simulation operations, right? There's a couple out there, but I think that's how you do that. And then recruiting people into them. That or certificates. Or yeah, or certificate, like tech school type programs, like paramedics are currently, or you know have been for a long time, how nursing started out and then kind of moved mm -hmm. on. No, I totally, well, guys, I, this is a lot of fun, but once again, we are not talking about what we started talking about. I am always to blame for this, or at least partially to blame for it. So I'm not <laughs> pointing fingers at anyone here. I do want to wrap this one back up. I, I think we've got a lot of stuff left to discuss. And Bo, I'm sure we're going to see you again. All right. But last parting thoughts, anything that you know you want to leave our listeners with, whether it's related to this or it's something else, is there anything that you want to say while you have a microphone? You know, I just think the community is large and small and have fun getting to know people. I've done that with y'all a little bit more with you now, William. Um, David and I go back and forth every once in a while. I think it's a neat thing to get to do. Try your hand at, at different things from being the boss to being a patient. Volunteer, you know, just get out there and have a little fun. So say yes. And, and, and no one to say no. Are you good at that? I know I'm not good at that. 
I'm not good at that when they ask me to do a tour of my new building and I'm like, yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. I love tours. I love doing tours. So I get it. So, yeah, I, I don't have any great parting uh, wisdom other than to say I love this community. I love how they took care of me and I'm appreciative and a big thank you to all of you. Small in numbers, big in heart, right? Oh, uh, true. Oh. All right, guys. Well, uh, again, thanks for joining us today. And thank you, Bo, for, for coming out and hanging out with us. It's been a lot of fun. I mean, we've, like I said, we've just done two back-to-back episodes. So we've been hanging out for you know a couple hours now. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry to everyone because I'm boring. Oh, I know. It's going to be a lot of <laughs> Disagree. fun. Disagree. Yeah, I think I think telling the story was important, right? From from the beginning of what happened to you guys, going through how you guys reacted to it, and then ultimately the, the rebuild. And you, know, you said you did have a leg up because you guys were already in the process of looking at a new building and started on a new building. So at least you already had one foot, you know, in the door, if you will. Uh, but you guys, you know, you went through something that hopefully none of us have to experience, but it's always there, right? Things things do happen. I know we had a flood at the Sim Center this year, nothing to the extent that you did. Um, but it, you know, in, even even just going through and dealing, like I mentioned earlier, with dealing with insurance or or dealing with a rebuild or going through those processes, uh, you know, kind of hearing your story and how you guys navigated that, I, I think is powerful. I think people are going to enjoy that. I, uh, some I'm things- smiling because we had a flood before we opened our new space. <laughs> so, there we serious? go. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean well, the old the old place had a flood, but that was you know to put yeah, intentional. The the intentional flood that immediately followed the fire. Yeah. So well, uh, you know, once again, thanks everybody for listening. You know, we are the Sim Geeks podcast. Thank you. Hope you keep listening. Yeah.